Welcome to Understand Murdoch, a podcast from the Post and Courier, South Carolina's largest newspaper. Our award-winning reporters have spent more than a year digging into the Murdoch saga to bring you the latest news and in-depth analysis as we cover this story of drugs, deceit, and death in South Carolina's rural low country. I'm Glenn Smith, editor of the newspaper's watchdog and public service team, I'm here with Avery Wilkes, an investigative reporter who has been covering this Murdoch case with me for well over a year now. Hey there. In this episode, we're talking about Curtis Edward Smith. He is a man of many nicknames. We've heard him called Cousin Eddie or Fast Eddie. But in all seriousness, this was a guy we knew very little about for weeks, even months after he first arrived onto the scene in this Murdoch saga. His initial introduction to this story came as the alleged shooter in a bizarre roadside shooting of Alec Murdoch over Labor Day weekend 2021. But since then, he has also been charged with trafficking drugs and laundering millions of dollars for Alec Murdoch over the years. Now, Murdoch's attorneys have accused Smith of also being their client's personal drug dealer, and they've tried to pin the blame on him for the June 7th, 2021 double murder of Maggie and Paul Murdoch, Uh, as part of their larger effort to create doubt that their own client, Alec, committed that crime. So Glenn, recently you and I set out to write about Smith and explain what we know about him and what role he might play at Alec Murdoch's double murder trial here in uh, probably a week or two. Now, what were some of the key things we learned? Sort of in the run-up to all this, uh, getting hints of late, I guess, uh, trial strategy seems to be leaning towards... uh, painting Smith as some sort of figure, potentially another suspect in the case, diverting some blame away from Alec Murdoch himself. I spoke to his attorney, Amy Zimmerchek, and she pushes back against a lot of these things. She also really bristles at the idea of the, the Fast Eddie and the Cousin Eddie nickname. She said, you know, that, that that Ed is is a human being like the rest of us, and he's kind of been used and abused by all sides. A well-meaning guy, who just got caught up in a friendship with with a guy who was way out of his league. Whether, you know, I guess we'll see how that all plays out in the courtroom. But but a couple of things I learned in my conversation with her. One big revelation was that Smith had been subpoenaed as a potential witness in Alec Murdoch's upcoming murder trial. Our story broke that news, uh, which a number of other outlets followed in the days afterward. We also revealed that according to Smith's defense attorney, Zimmerchek, recent DNA testing excludes Smith in the June 2021 slangs. There have been a lot of talk about testing and comparing his DNA against materials found at the crime scene. She says that that was sort of a red herring. There's nothing to see there. We also explained how recent filings by the state attorney general's office show that they might not even call Smith as a witness. They certainly don't want Smith to play a central role in the trial. First of those filings was a motion by state prosecutors to exclude any mention of polygraph tests during the upcoming trial. The other filing asks the judge to prevent Murdoch's attorney from introducing evidence or theories about third-party guilt at this trial. So prosecutors don't want Murdoch's defense attorneys to spend the entire trial trying to blame someone else for the killings, or even to raise the possibility that uh, you know the investigation that landed, you know, that pointed the finger on Murdoch, that it should have been focused on other suspects in, instead of Murdoch. And to do so would be, you know, part of an effort to create doubt or, or a reasonable doubt in the mind of jurors that, you know, perhaps somebody else out there uh, might have done this. And, and you know, this is a trial where one person is being tried on these charges. And so 
it makes sense that if you're a defense attorney, you might want jurors to be wondering if actually someone else out there committed that crime. So yeah, jurors might have more doubt about Murdoch's guilt if they're aware that there's some other potential suspect out there, right? Exactly. And these new filings don't directly mention Smith, but they seem pretty strongly related to him, correct? Yeah. And and we should notice that these filings came a couple months after Murdoch's legal team released the results of Curtis Smith's May 2022 polygraph exam with state investigators. And that exam detected deception when Smith denied killing Maggie or Paul and when Smith denied being there when they were shot. Now, Murdoch's legal team seized on that test and put out a lengthy court motion where they took their best shot at implicating Smith for the slayings, including, you know, trying to poke holes in his alibi that night. You know, Murdoch's attorneys have long criticized this investigation. They've said it too narrowly focused on their client as the prime suspect and ignored other possible killers. So to me, this targeting of Smith by Murdoch's defense team just fits into that larger strategy of trying to poke holes in the state's case and trying to raise questions about the investigation that led to Murdoch's indictment and to raise doubt in the minds of jurors about whether Murdoch was the killer or whether someone else out there could have done it instead. And we should also note that Polygraph testing is far, far from an accepted science. Uh, It's generally not admissible in court, but investigators still use it as an investigative tool uh, throughout the course of of an investigation. It's just not something that you typically see brought into, um, you know, brought into court during a trial. And obviously, prosecutors don't want to get into this back and forth over Smith. They don't want Murdoch's defense team to try to shift the blame onto Smith and make him a big player in this case. They don't want Murdoch's lawyers mentioning this polygraph exam. They want to focus to be on Murdoch and Murdoch alone. Exactly. And part of the state's argument, like I just said, are that these polygraph exams are generally not admissible in court anyway. Um, and, and and also, one thing they mentioned I thought was fascinating is that Jurors tend to give uh, a lot more weight to polygraph exams than they probably should. So, and, and average people, you know, when you hear about a lie detector test, uh, you know, people tend to believe that kind of thing, even though it's really not a, an actual measure of whether someone is, is telling a lie or not. And these kind of tests, if you want to call them that, are, are, are quite faulty. So uh, what are the status of these filings? Yeah, Judge Newman hasn't ruled on them yet, hasn't ruled on, on on whether to allow Murdoch's attorneys to speak about the polygraph test or to allow Murdoch's attorneys to mention, you know, possible third party guilt in these crimes as of the time we're recording. Uh, and, and Murdoch's team hasn't even responded to to those requests to, to bar that kind of evidence and that kind of argumentation from prosecutors. So these issues might not be addressed until right before the trial or, or maybe even the first couple days of the trial itself. So we will have to wait and see on that and see, you know, whether that stuff gets gets into the trial at all. My, my guess is it probably won't. I would assume that the judge would would want to try to keep the focus on Murdoch rather than allowing Murdoch's defense attorneys to to openly speculate about somebody else who's not even you know, involved uh, in this trial directly. So uh, moving on, Glenn, you interviewed Smith's lawyer, as you mentioned earlier, Amy Zimmerchek. And one of the big pieces she told you was that state investigators have completed that DNA analysis and they did not find Smith's DNA at the crime scene. 
Um, that seems like a pretty big blow for for Murdoch's legal team if they were trying to bring in this defense that that it might have been Smith that actually killed Maggie and Paul, right? Indeed. The state, we should note, the state is not weighed in on that, is not confirmed that or really discuss the the results of their DNA testing at this point, but it certainly seems to hurt the defense effort to pass the blame for the slayings onto somebody else. Last fall, Murdoch's team filed some motions questioning why investigators hadn't tested Smith's DNA yet to really look into him as a possible suspect. Then the state agreed to do so, but that was a few months ago, and we hadn't heard any update on it until recently. And, and Curtis Smith, we should note, has always adamantly denied having anything to do with the Murdoch killings. He told investigators that he was home with friends that evening. Uh, and I think he mentioned two or three names and investigators, you know, went, you know, and talked to those people who confirmed Smith's alibi. Of course, Murdoch's attorneys have come back and said, well, you know, investigators gave Smith like three weeks after he gave them those names to go and talk to those people and to, you know, to get everybody's story straight. But that's what I meant when I said earlier that that they were trying to take a shot at, you know, at Smith's alibi. Glenn, what, what can you tell us about who Smith is exactly? Because that's something else that we wanted to get into into this story, especially if he's going to be brought up at trial. There was so much rumor and misinformation and innuendo about him and his relationship with with Murdoch during those first few months after his introduction to the story. But what do we know about Curtis Edward Smith today? Well, he's he's been you know unapproachable for months because he's been in the Lexington County Jail. So we've not had an opportunity to sit down and talk to him. And and what little we knew from interviews was generally him pushing back on the state's uh, theories or, or, or rumor and speculation about his involvement in Murdoch's crimes. Uh, but but from you know talking to some people who've known him and also looking through prior court records, including depositions he had given in some other cases, uh, a picture of him begins to emerge. Um, so he's a 62-year-old disabled logger and a trucker who lives in Walterboro, though he spent the past few months, as I said, in the Lexington County Jail. He's the oldest of three brothers. He was born on Paris Island in Beaufort County. His father was a Marine. His family bounced around when Smith was growing up. They lived in North Carolina and Mississippi before settling in Walterboro in 1983. Smith said he attended high school in Walterboro in Mississippi, and he had completed the 12th grade. He married, had a daughter, and then he and his wife divorced. After high school, Smith first worked for a manufacturer making forklifts, then worked on oil rigs in the Gulf of Mexico and Mississippi. During a slow period, he moved back to South Carolina and began logging, bought a logging truck and was an over-the-road freight hauler for about 10 years or so. Supervised a crew contracted by the government to do cleanup after Hurricane Hugo devastated the coast back in 1989. Then he continued trucking from 1991 till 1995 when he was arrested for a DUI. Smith filed for bankruptcy in Colleton County in 97. His debt was discharged two years later. In the 2000s, Smith worked as a supervisor for several logging companies between stints driving trucks. He was approached by a guy named Buster Harrison in 2004 who wanted to start his own logging business. And Smith worked for Harrison as a supervisor while also operating his own logging trucks at the business. The work was stressful and the days were long, Smith has said. He sold all but one of his logging trucks in the mid-2000s to focus more on his role as a supervisor. Then, in September 2007, Smith injured his back attempting to cross a ditch while marking a logging area. He tried to continue his normal work duties, but as he said, I was hurting, you know. 
continued to work for Harrison as a supervisor for about another year until his workers' compensation claim was approved, and he underwent two surgeries for that back injury. He told the attorneys he could not run or lift as a result of the injury. He took prescribed medication on a regular basis, including some strong stuff like oxycodone, an opioid, and diazepam, also known by the trade name Valium. His attorney, Zimmercheck, indicated to me, too, that, that he's really still suffering from the complications of these injuries and has had a tough time in the jail. His back is uh, quite aggravated, I guess, by the confines of the jail. He's also struggling with some diabetes. Yeah. So so Smith is a sort of, sort of a guy getting up there in age, uh, you know, has, has lived in Walterboro a while. You know, actually, one of the reasons that he's in the jail, in the Lexington County Jail now, and that Judge Newman ordered him to be there is because he was continuing to work as a trucker, even though he was on house arrest. And he didn't seem to understand that when you're on house arrest, you you can't, you know, get get in your work truck in the middle of the night and go, you know, go go do work. That, that was one of a couple reasons that uh, th- this past summer, the judge uh, ordered him to go to jail. So and I believe, Glenn, you you were mentioning that he's like you said, he's had a really tough time there. So what do we know about his relationship with Alec Murdoch and how those two came to meet and, and and sort of what their relationship came to be over the years. Uh, as is, is one of his nicknames would seem to indicate he is a distant cousin of Murdoch. He's also a former client of his. Murdoch represented him in a couple cases, most recently an insurance matter involving a fire at a shop on Smith's property. After the Labor Day 2021 shooting, Murdoch's legal team described Smith as Murdoch's personal drug dealer. Smith has pushed back on this uh, description of himself. In his own if interviews, uh, Smith denied having anything to do with the drug trade. He said he was close with Murdoch, thought of him more as a brother, and said he would do anything for him. He's been indicted several times as an alleged accomplice in Murdoch's various reported crimes. He's accused of laundering some $2.4 million in ill-gotten money. He's accused of buying drugs for him, legal opioids. Accused of shooting Murdoch in the head in a botched suicide for hire insurance fraud scheme. Smith has, has said that Murdoch called him to the scene that day and asked for help and, and was in the process of aiming the gun at himself when he came upon this and that he was duped into this. He has painted a picture of himself as someone who has been duped on several occasions into just being in, in bad situations with Murdoch. His attorney tells me that this $2.4 million, again, Alec Murdoch is, is stroking millions of dollars worth of checks to Smith and other people. And the question becomes, what did they do with that money? Now, Smith lives in a pretty modest house in Walterboro, trailer on some property, uh, doesn't seem to be enjoying a, a particularly lavish lifestyle. His attorney says, well, he, he would do this as a favor for Alec, that he would go cash the check, give the money to Alec and not get any of the proceeds himself. Yeah. And according to uh, revelations that were made in court during his most recent bond hearing, you know, he only had about sixty thousand dollars in in his bank account, which is no small chunk of change, but it's not two point four million dollars. So it seems like he's not necessarily keeping this money that that is flowing from Murdoch through him. And I think one of the interesting things about Curtis Smith is, and and one of the reasons it's been difficult to find out, you know, any definitive information about him is is these narratives, you know, that are being produced by by each side about him can be wildly different. You know, back in September, you know, of 2021, after that shooting, you had Murdoch's attorneys and Smith and his attorneys doing these dueling 
network TV interviews, uh, you know, in the morning on these morning shows. And, you know, Murdoch's attorneys would say that he had uh, their client had Smith come and, and shoot him in the head as part of this $10 million life insurance assisted suicide scheme that that went wrong. And then Smith, you know, did his own interview saying he, he never shot Murdoch. Murdoch was never shot. He doesn't even think the gun went off, you know, but he took the gun from from the area so that Murdoch couldn't kill himself with it. You know, and, and so it's it's kind of gone on like that for the entirety of Smith's involvement in this saga, where you've got one side describing him, you know, be it Murdoch's attorneys or prosecutors as this uh, as this accomplice of Murdoch's. And then Murdoch and his and his attorneys, and he's gone through, you know, several different attorneys over the past couple of years, you know, basically, as you said, describing him as a fall guy in, in Murdoch's schemes and, you know, someone who just just did what Murdoch wanted him to do, but wasn't actually, you know, some kind of criminal mastermind or co-conspirator. So either way, now Smith is stuck in the Lexington County Jail with no release date in sight. What did his attorney Zemercheck tell you, Glenn, about Smith's own reflections about all this? Again, you're you're absolutely right, Avery. These two different depictions of Smith. One is this sort of cold-blooded, calculated henchman who's able to secure vast quantities of drugs and is you know up up for some dirty work on the side, and. Then there's this other portrait that emerges of this guy as this sort of this gullible fall guy. I guess he's a convenient person to get tagged with all this stuff that he looked up to Murdoch because here's this guy who's this prominent attorney in the county. He carries all this weight and he wants to pay attention to me that 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 it, it sort of stoked his self-worth and his ego to some degree because he was a guy of pretty modest means. You know, which of these are if, if the true lies, truth lies somewhere in the middle, I, I guess, again, we'll see a trial. And, 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 you know, we should also note that one of the things I found fascinating about the the Labor Day shooting in the aftermath of that was we saw a, a lot of national media reporting that Smith was this, you know, hitman in a in a, you know, murder for hire scheme. But even Murdoch's attorneys were quick to say, no, 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 Smith was never paid to do this. He just agreed to do it. You know, they're actually you know, one of the things that, that is not in dispute is that Smith was never paid to shoot Murdoch. And this was just something that he either agreed to do or something that he he tried to stop. Which is super puzzling, right? Because why put yourself in, in the line of fire for a murder charge or a manslaughter charge or what have you? Uh, lots of years behind bars. If you're getting nothing out of it as a favor to somebody, it just it kind of strains credulity a little bit. As does much of yeah everything that's come <laughs> out of that particular yeah. shooting. Uh, so so Zimmerchik said Smith uh, primarily at this point is is super frustrated his inability to secure a trial date and, and clear his name. She points out that right after he was arrested after the Labor Day shooting, not long after that, that they pushed for a speedy trial in the case, just like Murdoch and his his legal team have done. Yet Murdoch here he is you know, just months after being charged in the murders of his wife and son, he's suddenly going up uh, for trial in this big, highly publicized event. And Smith's charges, which has been on the books uh, much, much longer, they're just languishing on the docket with no apparent uh, movement. You know, there's a lot of speculation that the state is doing that uh, very deliberately to, to keep him in a position where they can you know, potentially squeeze him if he has to go on the witness stand or, or, or leverage his cooperation with the case. But either way, she says that uh, 
you know, he, he's super just frustrated at this point. Uh, her quote to me was, he is just emotionally beaten down and physically too. Again, she said Smith's biggest mistake in all this was believing that Murdoch was his friend and that he wasn't living any sort of lavish lifestyle, uh, far from it. Another quote she gave me was, he feels like everyone sees him as a punchline and a joke, but he is a human being who got roped into this. Let me ask you one last question. Do you think Smith will be introduced as a witness in the January 23rd trial? I don't know. Uh, as you mentioned, it seems like he is potentially a witness. We we reported that he's been subpoenaed as a potential witness. You know, he's being kept at the jail. And, and like you said, it seems like they are, they are leveraging all these criminal cases against him to keep him on the line as a potential witness. I'm talking about prosecutors, not Murdoch's attorneys. Uh, but I think the role he's going to play at this trial is going to depend heavily on a uh, how Judge Newman rules on whether the polygraph testing and the third party guilt piece that we talked about earlier can be introduced at, at trial. And then B on whether prosecutors think it's worth the risk that whatever he can you know, testify about, whatever, whatever he can say about about Murdoch, uh, about Murdoch's other criminality about anything he knows about the the slayings, whether that is worth the risk of putting him up on the stand and allowing Murdoch's legal team to cross-examine him. Because as we've mentioned, you know, Smith has a checkered past. You know, some of the the public statements he's made about his innocence and all of this hasn't haven't exactly panned out seemingly. He's a a fairly impeachable witness. If Murdoch's legal team wants to, I'm sure they could come up with a lot of questions to try to damage his credibility on the stand. And so it's really, it's a calculation that prosecutors are going to have to make. Is it worth it? You know, does it help our case or does it hurt our case to put him up there? Or is it, you know, it potentially going to be a, a downside? Is it going to hurt our case if if Murdoch's defense team can can just tee off on him? So so yeah, he, he could end up being a star witness. He could end up potentially proving more trouble than he's worth. And so I, I think you know, between those two things, we'll see. It's really up to prosecutors how big of a role he's going to play. And as always, there's just a lot we don't know about about the case. There's a lot we don't know about what Smith could offer prosecutors. And, and so there's a lot we're just going to have to wait and see at trial. It really is a roll of the dice. If uh, the defense team gets him on the stand and is able to trip him up in his stories at all, or his demeanor comes across as off-putting to the jury, if he seems overly defensive or hostile, you know, that gives the defense a chance to plant the seed in the jury that maybe this guy had a larger role in this. Maybe I shouldn't, you know, put everything on, on Alec Murdoch. And as you know, all you need is one, right, on a jury to really hang that jury and, and prevent a unanimous verdict. So it'll be super interesting moving forward. All right. Well, that's all for now. As always, stay tuned with The Post and Courier for the latest updates in this case. You can follow us on Twitter at Post and Courier. You can find all of our latest coverage on our Murdoch landing page, postingcourier.com slash Murdoch. We'd love if you could send questions, feedback, and tips to our Murdoch email address. That's Murdoch at postandcourier.com. And please also take a minute to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts, especially if you like the show. We'll see you next time.